0: And, uh, and to learn your story and to be able to share it. So thank you so much for agreeing to do this.
1: Oh, Jules, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. I love being part of your, your tribe, your, your group of amazing women, and, <laughs> and it's such a pleasure.
0: Thank you, thank you. Okay, so let's start off by telling everybody what is it that you actually do.
1: Great. So what I do is I make brands richer. Uh, and how I do that is right. so when when interesting companies want to expand their audience or, or and in, increase their credibility or, or make more profit, then I help yeah. them actually pull together, come together and create brand collaborations or sponsorships or get funding to help them grow.
0: Amazing. And that is just so important, I think, for businesses to think about. Um, and I'm always working with um, small business owners, and I know you are too, to say, you know, there are lo- there's low hanging fruit out there. If you're trying to build a community and you know someone who's also working in that space, why not partner with them? Why not do something together where you can help each other?
1: Absolutely. I'm, that's my biggest thing is is partnerships brand or brand collaborations. So I started doing marketing partnerships, yeah. you know, back in the 90s, way before there was influences um, and way before you <laughs> collaborated. Uh, you know, they're, they're obviously like a bit on trend at the moment, all those words. But for me, it was just about who are the other brands that you could do something really cool with that would make a yeah. bigger impact
0: to your mutual customer I love it and I think all the women listening to this are going to love this so what we'll do is we will go uh, back into your deep dark past now Therese and then um and then we'll come back and we'll talk a bit more about this but what I'd like to talk about next is where did you grow up do you have brothers and sisters and if so how many and what did your parents do
1: Jules, I grew up in um, in Brisbane, and obviously in the seventies, okay. it was like a little country town. And I grew up, <laughs> up with a uh, in a really and really beautiful, lovely family. My um, my sister is a little bit older than me, and my brother too. So right. by the time that I was just starting school, my sister was like leaving home it was i guess a time when okay. um, for my sister you know she went to high school she left in year 10 and didn't, went to secretarial college because that's what what you did
0: that's what everyone and did
1: absolutely or became a nurse. and say, my brother you know <laughs> left and did an apprenticeship that's just what happened right so i had a really i had a slightly different upbringing to to my brother and my sister just because i guess it was the tide was turning a little bit my mother is an incredibly... And you're the baby. But... And I'm the baby. Um, Sorry. <laughs> my mother is an incredibly strong, independent woman. And she is that way because my dad passed away when I was five months old. So oh, she my goodness, the three of us. Yeah, by herself. Wow. Yeah. But
0: also probably quite grief-stricken. So that's an extra thing to take on when you've got a 5 month old my goodness
1: absolutely and the the story goes that my so my dad had cancer and he uh he he definitely he definitely wasn't supposed to be able to conceive a you know that make a child um but <laughs> oh, somehow, right somehow <laughs> i was right. conceived and mum talks about it as you know Dad put you here because he he wanted he wanted him on earth, and he wanted he wanted me to have you and so I have always grown up with with this very strong sense of you know i'm I'm my dad, I am the person who brought some light and love into a very yeah, dark a period bit. of my mum's life. um I, as i said i I was born. In in May, my in June her mum died, my grandmother died, and in November uh her husband died. So and then you're thirty seven. So imagine being thirty seven and you lose the two people that you love. I can't really anybody I mean, in the it's... world. Be inc- like I can't and... even imagine it.
0: No, no. And then on top of that, how old were your brother and sister at that stage? So about 10 years older than you. Is that roughly right?
1: Yeah, so my my brother was six um, and my sister was 11, nearly 12. So it was just oh, gosh. A, a slightly different dynamic. So so obviously I was like my sister's doll, you know, um, when she was little and then she would, <laughs> you know, and they would just boss me around and do different things and... But but by the time that, Dote on you, I
0: think is what you meant to say. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. And I thought my sister was like a rock star, like a superhero, you know. And I would walk around in her high heels, and she would yell at me, of course, for doing that. And and you know, I would dance around the bedroom, and she would be playing like Kiss, you know. And so it was, and it was that time, right? And as I said, in Brisbane, a very was sleepy back then. So it felt like this really. And I just went to like the local school, um, had, you know, beautiful friend groups, very normal, you know, with beautiful friends called like Jenny. Yeah, nice. You know, like, you know, there's not even that many Jennies around anymore. Um, So it's one of those. (laughs) Not anymore. But it was just just a very. So to raise. Yeah
0: no, 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 keep going. and then I'll ask a question. well, I what I was going to say is, what did your mum do? Did she have to work?
1: Yes, she, of course, had to work. but uh, the, she was also the mum that wanted to be home for me after school. so right. she wor- she worked uh, for hallmark cards, um so a big card company, and she oh, yes was, you know she would actually go and merchandise and all of the stock and so little bit of account management a bit of merchandising as well and so so again I grew up in an environment where every school holidays I'd be like hanging out at the shopping center while she you know worked at the stores sorting out all the cards yeah. and the stock and and so I was doing the grocery shopping when I was eight because she had to work and and that's just what happened so it became I guess an environment where everybody contributed and it was I mean incredibly nurturing now that I'm an adult, I realised that I, I had no idea that we didn't have money and I had no idea where we stood in the community. It, it was, it was right. tough for mum, you know, like she was bringing up three kids, there wasn't a lot of money, there wasn't a lot of time, all those kinds of things. But I never felt anything but completely spoiled um, and loved and... Oh motivated and embraced like I didn't I didn't know that I didn't feel that it was it was a great child oh,
0: what a great mum I yeah and I also I like to ask that question really to see whether there were role models for you and obviously your mum was an amazing one um just in terms of working later in life it's just um it's just interesting so then you sailed through primary school by the sounds of it what was high school like for you
1: yeah, so our high school, so my um, brother and sister had just gone to like the local high schools and and I yeah. campaigned my mum for to go to a Catholic school, like a, you know, a kind of a, a nice kind of yeah. Catholic high school in mm-hmm. Brisbane. It was like on the water. Um, and because my friends were going there and I wanted to go there too. And it was, you know, it was a good train ride and a good walk. It wasn't nearby, but I really, you know, begged my mum to see if I could go and obviously there was a cost involved. And so my mum actually approached the school and, and negotiated with them for her to do some volunteering at the school to offset the school fees. So, um, you know, that's in oh, my wow. blood, right? Like to be, you know, for her to be yeah, yeah campaign right. campaign to get me in, brilliant.
0: <laughs> yeah, fantastic. So as you got into the school of your dreams, were you a good student?
1: Yes, I was. Um, I think for me, the I remember... A moment in you, my first year of high school that literally changed my my world. And I tell this story all the time because oh. it's one of those things where just a moment a teacher just being a great, beautiful person. Um, and I remember I was in yep. I was in the yard. She wasn't my teacher, she was just a teacher that one of my friends had. And she she had a conversation with me that that kind of went something like, you know, what are you doing on the holidays? or you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was saying about how you know my sister uh, was was working and she was a secretary and i was going to go into work with her and i was going to help her you know do some stuff and she then she proceeded to kind of talk to me around you know is that isn't was that something i wanted to do and and i was like well yeah i guess i mean that's that's what you do right i really I'm, thought about I'm, it you know i'm going to be a secretary yeah. like my sister she's amazing And, and she posed a question to me, which was like, well, well, what else could you do? Like, what else would you do? Could you do? And I was like, I have I don't know. And she said, why don't you like, why don't you look at a few things? Like, and she, and I remember her saying, you know, you could be anything, right? Like, you know, you, you could be a doctor or you, you could be anything. You could be a hairdresser. You could be a politician. You know, you could be anything and no you one want. had yeah. ever ever told me that I could or demonstrated or that I'd seen that that was possible and I remember that moment in my life vividly I can I can tell you what the sky looked like I can tell you you know what what you know how I was wearing my hair it literally was like this moment where I was like no I didn't I didn't know I could be anything really I could really is that possible and she, she kind of lit a spark or something inside me where I started to kind of go, well, what else could I do? Where else could I go? And so I was like one of the first girls at the school to actually do computer classes, not, not ah. secretarial, you know, but actually computer classes. Uh, and so it just, and, and I think for me this was about communication. I, I love doing drama. I, I liked doing the business subjects, but I didn't really have any idea of what I wanted to do. I knew that it needed to be around people, but I guess I didn't know. And again, I went to the careers council. I think when you go to year ten and you, you know, you're like, "What are you going to do?" and and um and I said, "Oh, maybe yeah. I'll be a nurse." And the careers council was like, "That seems quite like regimented. You're quite creative and." You know is that something that you want to do? And and kind of talked about what a nurse did. And and I was like, oh no, maybe not. Um, and so even like that, I was the first person in my in my family to go to year 12. Um, because I was like, okay, I think I want to study after school. And I remember my mum being like, Why would what like isn't that enough? Isn't year 12 enough? And I was like, <laughs> I love it. I want to learn more, I want to do things. And so, so that was a, a really good environment for me, and it really sparked something inside me to kind of be curious and learn more, and hopefully, yeah. To so to be a little bit bigger,
0: yeah. So let so tell me how did that actually? Um, how did that? What's the word for it? I can't think what the word is for it. When anyway, when you left school or when you finished school, how did that play out? What do, what did you end up doing?
1: Yeah, so I left school and I did a um, a hospitality course where I could, I wanted to work in hotels. Now, at that stage, you know, great, right? Now, in, in hindsight, what I wanted to do was stay in hotels. I didn't know that, um, but, you know, I did right. a hospitality course <laughs> and I... Left Brisbane. I left Brisbane. I did my one-year um, private hospitality course at a private college. I had $213 in my bank account, and I announced to my mum that I was going to move to Sydney because, you know, Brisbane was just too sleepy for me. And um, <laughs> and I moved down. And I didn't – a friend from Brisbane kind of came down as well who I'd done the course with. Um, have hang on, hang on, I wait, wait, wait. This. Though, yeah.
0: What did your mum say when you said I'm moving to Sydney with two hundred dollars in my pocket?
1: <laughs> she, of course, was <laughs> going. You're going to be, you're going to be like dead in a gutter, you know. Like she, her exposure of <laughs> Oh, you'll had be back. Like Kings Cross <laughs> on the news, and you know, and she was, and she, and I think as you said, Jos, like she was like, okay, well, you go, you go, you know, you'll be back in a couple of weeks. It'll be fine. Um, and I okay. just never came back. <laughs> I'm still here now, you know. Um, wow. So, so what do you later.
0: what do you do when you're a girl from Brisbane? You don't have much money. You've come down to Sydney. I'm I'm guessing, but I I could be wrong, that you didn't have a job to go to. What what did what's that actually like? What did what was it like for you? What did you do?
1: I I've been I've always been a bit of a hustler. Um, so I sent out my you know one page resume. Uh, that I did. Before I left Brisbane, like four <laughs> days before I left Brisbane. Right. I, um and then arranged a, got an interview, arranged to have an interview at the Novotel in Darling Harbour. So I think I arrived on a Tuesday. I had the interview oh. on the Wednesday uh, just for like wait staff. Like wasn't, wasn't the dream job, just a job, yep. right? Yep. So I got a job no. as a waitress at the Novotel or got, got the interview and they were like, great. You can start on Friday night so really quickly i landed on my feet it was a casual job like you know but it was the end of november so they had lots of functions and christmas parties and events coming up so that kind of got me through with you know lots of money and and that environment as you know a young woman who's like 18 landing in a new city, you work in hospitality. Yes. So, of course, everybody <laughs> else is young. You go out afterwards. You have a great time. Yeah. Yeah, And right. Very luckily, um, a friend from Brisbane had a sister who'd moved down here and her sister's flatmate was going home for a couple of months. And so I got to, like, bed sit. I was like, I'll pay your rent if I can, like, live in your place for a month
0: oh great away which gave me
1: time to actually find a place to live
0: well find and find your way around and work out where you actually wanted to live as well
1: totally and I will say that um you know you when you land in a new city like I would just look on the map I didn't know what suburbs were what and so that's the first place (laughs) I lived in you know was Redfern um and you know this is back in the day where I mean Redfern is beautiful it was quite
0: Um, dangerous
1: back in the day this is like the early 90s it was it was a little bit dangerous and I was working in hospitality so I was doing the breakfast shift and and getting on a train at five o'clock in the morning or doing the night shift and and getting a train back at 2 a.m and walking through Redfern no idea that it was dangerous um, for a young woman to be walking around that time of night in what I was wearing. But the,
0: there's some, this you know, that saying, ignorance is bliss. <laughs> totally. Um, totally. It, it is to an extent like that, isn't it? I mean, I, I had um, similar experiences when I moved out of home. We'd only lived in Australia for four years and I moved into the, bowels of St Kilda and I put it that way because we were right in the place where all the prostitutes were and all the cars were cruising but you just didn't know you don't know what you don't know and it's kind of fun you get to meet a whole lot of people you never would have met otherwise
1: (laughs) absolutely I had a ball and and you know what I never not once did I not feel safe and no one ever hassled me and I didn't have I don't have any any bad experience to tell you about at at all? So, I mean, oh, I thought wonderful. I so, remember when my mum came to visit because I then you know, I, you know, was Redfern, and then I lived in Potts Point for a while, and and Potts Point is a bit posh, but it was really was the, the Kings other Cross end of the spectrum, big. isn't it? Yeah, it it was it was really it's what sorry, Kings Cross. it was really King's Cross. Oh, okay, because I was it, isn't
0: Potts Point. Sorry there's a bit of a delay in the thing. Is is I thought Potts Point was sort of very a very expensive upmarket or am I mixing mixing maybe I'm mixing it up with Point Piper. I don't know I don't know Sydney that well.
1: Okay. So Point Piper is very posh. They're the they're the expensive seats. Okay. But um Potts Point is right next to Kings Cross. So okay it, it was a an environment where, you know, one street over there was a Porsche restaurant and one street back there was, you know, a brothel. Um, so it was yeah. really and you know, and this really it's a big, fun big dynamic. Mixture.
0: Very like St Kilda.
1: Big mixture. And so I remember my mum came to visit to make sure that I was alive and <laughs> there were you know, syringes in the car park, and there was, you know, a a, a lady of the night, you know, um, marketing herself on the street outside my apartment block, and then I remember my mum coming, like coming in and going, "Please come home," and just crying and saying, "This is not for <laughs> you." And I thought it was the most exciting place ever. There was no way I was yes. coming home. This was exciting. I loved it. <laughs>
0: it's, it's, uh, it sounds like me. I remember um, my mum and dad coming to visit and in order to make the house look nice, I sticky taped all the plants to a stick so that they'd stand up um, and my dad and mum came in and there was no not even any direct sunlight that came into the apartment and my mum saying, I did my dash in places like this when I was a student. <laughs> I won't be back to visit again. <laughs> <laughs> so it what did you fun. do next Therese? What what came yeah. after Redfern and and the yeah. hospo job?
1: So, hospitality for a while, then as I said I worked out, yeah, I'm not, I'm not I don't really want to take people's plates and and what have you. And so I kind of went into front desk at a hotel and so I did that for a while and Then I worked at Key West and that had a business centre and there was a a small business. So in the business centre there was lots of small businesses and I met all the small business owners and thought, oh, my God, these people are amazing. One of them offered me a job in something called marketing. Um, And I was Oh, that weird thing. Yeah. I was maybe not quite even 20. Yeah. And so I got a job as a marketing coordinator, not having a clue what marketing was. And I got to work with the marketing manager. The marketing manager then was like, hey, there's this thing called marketing. And, you know, and I fell in love. I was like, wow, what is this? So I went to uni. um, So I went to uni, you know, part uh, like full. I did. Full time uni and full time work, um, because you know why not? <laughs> and then obviously had to even yeah, as you were my young and some you- kind of social life. <laughs> but you know what? It's like I didn't care. I was having fun, so I did That's a right. marketing degree, and and yeah. actually kept working in marketing and going. This is really cool. I really like this. So that kind of got me the, you know, my, my actual really kind of cool job in marketing. And I worked, at, I worked at Philips. So Philips back in the day, like I was in the area of Philips when we were creating CDs, a CDR. I remember launching Ooh. the CDR, which was very exciting. Um, and so it was like <laughs> this, this a this brilliant experience and then I went into Philips Lighting and so that gave me a first exposure of partnerships and things when I started working with like Better Homes and Gardens and, and working, you know, with accounts like Woolworths and, and you get to actually do some marketing together. Right. Um, and then really quickly I kind of, you know, went into Minolta which was another manufacturer and when I was there I was kind of in my, you know, mid-late 20s and, and I kind of started getting this itch about mm, I'd really like to do something on my own. I'd really love my own business. I don't even know what that looks like. I've never known anyone who's had their own business. But I just had some kind of inkling, some some desire to do it. Now, again, this is yeah. back in the day, right? So I looked in the newspaper called The Trading Post <laughs> To see oh, yes, what I the were for sale. Like, can you even imagine? Oh, that? okay. Like, yeah. And I found this little business, again, a beautiful, amazing, gifted craftsperson person who had an amazing product. And she said, and it was sold in Australia, and she was like, I'd love to get this overseas. And and I was like, Oh my gosh, that sounds cool. Um how about what I help was you that? get it overseas? It was actually a baby product and it was a sun shade for your stroller so your baby didn't get sunburned. Um, and it was, oh, and she, okay. yeah, it was super cool. Like it was really interesting. And so then she was like, I'm going to go overseas and try to like do this, but I've got no idea about how to actually launch product or talk to people or sell it. And I was like, oh, I've worked for all these big companies. I know how to launch products internationally. Like, why don't I come too? And she was like. Oh, Brilliant. Okay, you can come too. You can come with me. So we <laughs> went to Boston and Washington and we went to all these, all these cities and we went to this baby trade fair. And, um, and then I, while we were out and we were shopping, and I think we went to Toys R Us to actually, uh, you know, get some props and things. And when we were in Toys R Us, I saw this stroller and it was a Jeep, as in Jeep is in the car, the brand of car. It was a yeah. Jeep baby stroller. And this was 2002, so a very long time ago. And I knew branding. <laughs> like I knew branding. I didn't know babies, but I loved babies. And that was kind of my, you know, my next phase of life. And so I was like, hmm, I think this is kind of interesting, branding and babies. I wonder how this would work. And of course, being, you know, 20, I think I was 27, 28, you know, no guts, no glory. So I just turn up at this trade fair and walk up to this like billion dollar company. And I was like, hi, I'm Therese. I'm from Australia. I'd really like to bring your product to Australia. Like, can you imagine? Like, that's no preparation, it's- no thought in this at all. Just, you know just a bit
0: of uh, you know I the only reason that I can is that I was in the parenting space in those days just starting out learning about PR and I specifically worked with pram brands <laughs> I'm, wow. now I'm starting to think we maybe we knew us each other 20 million years ago
1: exactly. but, but yes that digital. idea
0: of going up to another brand and saying can I have the Australian rights I did that with a couple of things as well <laughs>
1: Back so what did the they say? They, well, they were like, I, I was like, I said all the right words, I'm going to do a feasibility study and I'll make sure it meets the safety standard and I'll, you know, and I said all the right words, enough that they went, yeah, okay. Well, like, And I think at that stage Australia was such a tiny spot on the map. I mean this was way before well, it still was like e-commerce. <laughs> and so they were like, well, what's yeah. the worst she can do was probably what they were thinking. And so I, but, you know, I had, like, big, big ideas, you know. And so I got a sample of their product. Yeah. And I knew that I was like Jeep. Everyone knows Jeep, you know. And and the Jeep product for them was in Walmart. It was in Toys R Us. It was selling really well for them. And so I just thought, why not? And I remember coming back from America and 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 at that stage I'd I, I, I got married and and I said to my husband, I saw this thing, it looks really cool. You know, I don't know, like, should we take a chance? What do you think? And my husband is a hundred amazing things, but the best thing about him is that he believes he thinks I'm Invincible, he believes that I can do anything, which oh. I do love about him. And so he was like, Yes, I oh, love yeah, him. Go for too. it. <laughs> um, great, nice husband, right? Gotta got love him. Um, I still have him, you know, 20 something years later, so 28 years, I think we've been mm. together. Um, and I pick him up oh. at the pub tonight. I actually really like him, and I say that I like you because <laughs> I love him, of course, but I actually yeah. like him. Um, so anyway, lovely husband kind of goes, why not? My guts, no glory. Um, and so I, you know, we got it, we got a little loan and we, I bought some strollers to Australia. And so just before I got them to Australia, I, I, I got a little trade stand at a baby expo and I thought I'd, you know, put the strollers on there and and engage some interest and maybe get some pre-orders. And just to see if I could, you know, get a few pre-orders to get a little bit of money in the door, and I, I literally sold half a container of stock in the first weekend, and I was like, wow, amazing! Hang on a minute, this might be okay. And then I went to Babies Galore, which was a big baby retailer at that stage, and I said, hey, I've got this product, um, I think you might like it, and they were like, yep, we'll take it. So then I had a retailer. Oh, Therese, well, like, this is amazing. I know. So then, and then, of course, the universe, you know, it it, it throws you curveballs. So then at the yes. same time, I'm like, I've quit my job. I'm like, you know, I've got a container on the water. I'm like, I'm doing this. Of course, what happens? I fall GFC. pregnant too, you know. Oh. No, fall right. pregnant. So. So then I was living um, this life where I'm like, you know, the stroller's coming to Australia. I've like got my big pregnant belly. I'm going to baby shops, you know, and so it just <laughs> became this baby universe. And then, of course, then I have the baby, put the baby in the stroller, then push the baby into all the, well, the baby shops. Um, so it just kind yes. of worked. So I was babies at home, babies at work, it was baby, 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 baby shows, baby magazines. And and that yep. was, you know, really early on, right? But it had it had some it had good good vibes about it but this is where i discovered partnerships and by accident i didn't know what they were but when i got the stroller to australia i went to jeep head office and i met their pr manager who was about to go on maternity leave and i was like showing her right. this product and saying hey you know what do you think and she said how about i do a deal and i'll do your pr and you give me the baby products. And I said, "Yeah, great, done, easy. <laughs> no problem. Easy. Happy yep. to do that."
0: And did she do a and good job? And she got
1: me in every magazine. I was in the Financial Review. I was everywhere. Yep, These baby products were everywhere. So she profiled me because I was like a yep. young woman in my 20s, you know, like you know, doing the baby thing. And yep. um and at that stage the baby industry was was pretty you know, it was it was older men. You know, quite established brands. Yep, um, I so remember it. Was really it well. different, as you know. Now that's completely changed. But back then, a long time ago, that was quite unique. So she got me in every magazine, which was amazing. Which got me an appointment with Target. You know, and I went into Target, and they'd seen all the press, and they said, "We want to be the first one with your strollers." I said, "Brilliant." And so then wow. I and then that got me the next kind of little partnership, which was then Huggies saw my stroller in Target, and they they had a promotions agency, like a marketing agency, and so they said, "Hey, we've got an idea. We want to do a competition, and we want to give away a Jeep car, and we want to give away Jeep strollers as like the prize. Uh, do you want to be part of it?" "Yes," and I was like, "Yes, amazing." Now, it was even more amazing than I could have ever anticipated because they put my stroller on all the point of sales, all the swing tags that hung off the shelves, and on all the boxes. So every nappy box in the country had my product on it. And that literally got me, like, in my first year, within, what, nine months, I went from zero to, like, a million dollars in turnover. Because wow, Therese, that, was partnership. That's huge. that was exposure. I know. And this is like, you know, yeah. this is way back yeah. in the day where, you know, with the advertising that I was doing was I was taking out, you know, a black and white ad. Remember like Sydney's Child? There was Sydney's Child, Melbourne's Child. Yes, Britain's I remember them like so well. It had yes. a couple of colour pages. And they, the would t- they would never
0: take, they would you could never do PR with the child magazines. Because they um, said, "No, nah, we only take advertising. Uh, you've got to pay if you want to do anything." And so we used to submit stories because I was working with loads and loads of mums and loads of prams in those days. And uh, but I do remember them very well. And yeah. and kid's Spot started around then, and Little One Baby started around then, and yes, it was all good stuff. Yes
1: absolutely so how so so
0: how you obviously not doing that now so tell me how that kind of progressed it
1: was it was such a wild ride and it was um so i did jeep and then i did sesame street and then i started bringing in other brands from different countries i'd go to trade shows i would find like the best-selling feeding product the best-selling you know bassinet the best-selling whatever that was winning all the awards and and then i'd approach them and say hey can i bring them to australia And so, and then I had an idea that I wanted to, um, I'd love, I thought there needs to be a fashion stroller. So at that stage, Benetton was like, you know, really big on advertising, like really, you know, having diversity in advertising way back then. Inclusive, yeah. They were so brave. And so I, no guts, no glory, approached Benetton and said, I'd love to do your brand. And they said, that is a brilliant idea. I'll put it out to tender around the world. Um, and I was heartbroken oh because God. I was like, oh, this is my idea. And they're tendering. I these- gave you the idea. Yeah. Like these yeah. huge companies. And I nearly didn't tender because I thought there's no way. I'm like, I'm competing against these companies who like multi-million dollar companies. There's no way I'm going to get it. But then I was like, I was like, do you know what? It's my idea. I gave them the idea. It's mine. Like I just need to put on my big girl pants and actually and really sell it, really pitch, really what was the vision? Why did I want it? How would it look? What would a parent feel like pushing their stroller? And I just created, you know, a pitch that was really emotional and and quite compelling um, and And a bit brave, and because I knew that was their values, and so, and I obviously had to tender against all these companies, but I won. I won. Oh, fantastic! I just
0: want to cheer. (laughs) Woohoo! What a great story. Yeah. So, what happened next?
1: so it was so cool. So then I got to do Benetton, which made me then start to become a global company. So then I was I had distributors in about five countries around the world. I was making Benetton. Oh hang on a minute.
0: Producers. So you won you you won global distribution for Benetton Prams.
1: Yes. So Aussie Girl. Oh wow gosh, I thought you just got Asia. the Australian rights. No.
0: Yeah.
1: Exporting around the world. Wow. Um, wow. Which was super Oh my goodness. Cool. Yes super cool. yes and then it grew and again I'm still bringing in all these other products from all over the world and and you know selling container loads to Toys R Us of lots and lots and lots of different products and then Benetton I was working with Benetton and they said we really want you to sit in Italy for like six months of the year and work with all our teams and our fashion and um and so you can make this all over the world and it was just that moment where I think um, my, you know, my eldest child was like maybe the year before school, you know, my youngest child, I'd, I'd literally like these kids, had, I'd just chuck them in a baby Bjorn and made them come with me to all of these different countries.
0: Yeah, um, yeah.
1: And, <laughs> and I, I thought, wow, oh, this is a bit of a sliding doors moment. Like, I I don't know if I can spend six months of the year in a different country it's just not my thing. So so I actually sold the company. And what I did is I went to um people who were babies galore. There was um five yep. gentlemen which actually owned babies galore. And I went the to them irony. because they were my first customer. <laughs> and I said, Do you yeah. know what? I think it's my time um to sell. And and I said, Do you what do you think? Do you know anyone that might want to? acquire me as part of their portfolio because they knew everybody and they said yeah. I will buy you will buy you and I was like wow. great this is so cool um so I actually sold the company uh which was which was very emotional um but it was a really good decision and and then I sold it and and obviously they as you said just before like the, then the GFC happened and e-commerce happened, and so I was in an environment where I was protected. I'll say because I was an importer bringing all these amazing brands to Australia, and then all of a sudden e-commerce happened, and now you could get that brand yourself from a different country and from have wherever it in you Australia. want. Yeah, and so I just amazingly with no knowledge and you know just exited at exactly the right time before the the right
0: time fell out
1: of the universe um financially and e-commerce really took and changed the retail environment you know forever um so that's amazing
0: that's actually the that was the moment that i started handle your own pr same thing working with all the mums and teaching them PR and then realizing that um that uh, PR wasn't going to be affordable for a lot of them big with the GFC and, and thought, well, why don't I just teach them how to go directly? Same thing. So what happened yes. next, Therese? So you've retired, obviously you've you've got a nice payout. Did you go on a long yeah. holiday or were you I, You did? I, oh great. I'm, I'm so no, glad well, you said I, that. I, well
1: I actually decided that I'd never I'd never been um I'd never kind of just been a mum. So I actually, yeah. for about a year, I actually went to, you know, school and did drop off and pick up and I played with my preschooler and I went to the park. And oh, I, I love that. just decided that I would have a year of, of like just being a mum. Of course, I was doing a few little things on the side, but but I was just, you know, going to be a mum. Um and that's when I kind of I felt like this e-commerce thing was was an opportunity, and so I thought, you know what, I might actually dip my toe and and I want to I want to I want to know, I want to be trained, I want an environment, I want and so I actually went and worked for a really big e-commerce group because I I wanted okay. to understand what that was, so I went inside a corporate and discovered and learnt about e-com. And that's really when it, you know. And so, so, so my career has been, I guess, a zigzag where I've like done my own thing. And then I went into e com. And then I decided that I wasn't right for corporate. And then I went out on my own again and was consulting and helping people, helping brands create marketing with great partnerships to extend their brand. And then, you know, and then I got another tap on the shoulder and I went back into corporate for a little while with a great gig. And then, you know, came out and now I'm out, you know, now I'm out again and I've sworn that, you know, that's it. I'm not, I'm not doing the I'm not doing the zigzag anymore. Well, luckily for but, the
0: rest of us, because we get to access you. But but I can't believe <laughs> that incredible career that you've had. And I had no idea that it was around prams. That's
1: amazing. Yeah, Just because it's so amazing. sort of
0: parallel to mine. And you obviously had children at the same time I did as well.
1: Exactly. Yeah, we have the same age kids. So amazing so, so it's been a you know it's been a, been a bit of a zigzag I kind of say I'm a bit of a swinger like I've swum back into corporate and, and <laughs> I, I guess I just want to you know put it out there as well like for because I think I had a bit of I had a bit of guilt about going back into corporate because I was like that's not who I am but then I think I'm starting to be a bit kinder to myself in you know as you get older and you realize that at different times yeah. there's different things that you need. So. You know whether you needed to yes. work part time because you wanted to be the mum, or you needed to go back into corporate because my kids, you know, both we decided we wanted to send our kids to a private school. Um, you know, two kids in private school is not cheap. Um, you know, to actually, you know, so you, so I think for anyone listening who's like, ah, you know, what should I do or whatever, there, I think there's times in your career when you're like, do you know what. It's okay to do a sidestep. It's okay to actually do absolutely, you know, and learn and have a stable income and you know, like have all these things. and then and now I'm yeah. at the stage where my my youngest child is finishing high school and now I'm like ready to explode in a huge way because I feel like it's my turn, you know.
0: Yeah. Well, I, uh, well, not only that, I think it's all the rest of our turn because you being you and with what you know and what you're about to do, I think is probably going to benefit everyone. (laughs) So, so I'm very glad that, um, you're getting to that time in your life now, because this podcast is about women in business and entrepreneurial women, um, and my personal mission which is to make women more visible because I just feel like there's a lot of things going on that we don't know about and this is a great example of it hearing your story one of the things I like to ask is have there been some women in your career that have been really pivotal about helping you and if so are there any that you want to name and let us know about make them a bit more visible and if not that's also fine but wanted to ask yeah
1: absolutely there is um a woman called Vanessa Garrod. I'm not yeah. sure. Vanessa. You might not know her. She she flies a bit under the radar. Name an award, and she's won it. Um, wow. She, yeah. She has won every every award you could name, like Ernst & Young, um, entrepreneurs, Telstra businesswoman, like every, everything. She, I, we met when we were both really young and we were both looking at, you know, we're both in manufacturing and she actually was in electronics and I was in the baby products. And then we started to have conversations because I was in licensing. So a license like, like Jeep and Benetton at Sesame street. yeah, And she was looking at licensing. So that would be a Spider-Man, you know, CD player or DVD player back in the day. Um, and so we, we both kind of got introduced to each other at that stage. Now, I have watched her absolutely sore and she is the most grounded and gracious um, woman that, that I've ever met and encountered.
0: And oh, she sounds really fantastic. really is
1: incredibly supportive of um, young entrepreneurs and, and women in business she you know has yeah. a charity that she, or a lot of charity that she supports um, the probably the thing that i admire about her most of all is that she is you know incredibly accomplished both in a business sense and you know and a and a financial sense but she you yeah. would, you know you would never know in terms of she is the most grounded normal person who lives in a normal house in a, you know, and has four kids. And, you know, like you, I, I love, I love women that are so secure. So like, you know what, this is, this is me. It's one part of me. I'm also a mom. I'm also a daughter. I'm also like all these things. And yeah, I'm actually bloody kick-ass in business, but you know, I'll also yeah. do canteen or I'll also do, you know, heaps of volunteering, or I'll also be yeah, on the board too. of a charity. Mm-hmm. And so these amazing women who just just do them and she doesn't seek the spotlight at all. Super amazing woman. Um, and so they're like that's that's who that's who I would love to be. As in, I aspire to be somebody who helps I've been you know mentoring women in business for about 16 years because I feel like it's it's something I feel really strongly about like I know some things and if I can teach you a few things that mean that you don't fall over and scrape your knee on the way um, then I'm really happy to do it so so I think that for me when you say amazing women so she is somebody that I guess I'll, I'll say I look up to and then I, and then through the mentoring journey, I have met uh, these brave, amazing women who have an idea and actually bring it to market. And you, you see all the, all the falls and all the tears and everything else. But but the people that I mentor, and and I say this because if anybody's thinking about mentoring somebody else the The feeling is, I guess, that you know, you're you're giving, you're giving your advice, you're giving your time voluntarily, you're giving, 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 giving. But what I get back, oh my god, is like that. I, I learn from them. I I see new things that they're new, new tools that they're doing, new ways of looking yep. at things that I have would never have thought yep. of looking at that way. Um, they ask really great questions that I'm like, wow. I've never thought of it that way. Like, so being part of someone's journey is,
0: is a an incredibly
1: learning experience. <laughs> so so, it, so yeah, it's so it the women that have done amazing things that I admire, but it's also these the women coming through that every single day I get to hear their journey and they teach me. They teach me new ways of doing things, new ways to look at things. They're it's the people that actually, mm-hmm. you know, like my spark for sure
0: oh well i love it honestly your attitude is just so brilliant i love all of it uh, i think we've only got time for one more question and <clears throat> mike oh well i'm going to do two very quickly first one okay how do you avoid burnout there are uh is is really the kind of question i've interviewed a hell of a lot of women now who work for themselves and there is a theme that goes through a lot of them where they've pushed themselves way too hard and ended up getting burnout, and and I'm always interested, but a lot of them have had quite different lives on the other side of it. But how have you um, or how do you manage that, Therese? What sort of hours do you work and how do you block out mm. your week?
1: Yeah, you know, I love what I'm doing at the moment, so I am working a whole heap of hours because I have an idea at 10.30 at night and I just have to look and see if the domain's available or whatever, Um for me, it's about, you know, I, I love, I have to give myself some time. Really, very early on, I started getting up early and actually and exercising. And that was about not being anyone's mum wife, daughter, boss, employee, whatever I was. It was to be a blip in the universe. So my ideal is to get up and I'm either at, at the gym or going for a walk. And I have a podcast in my ears. I'm a podcast junkie. Um, and I okay. just, I just zone out and that's my best time. First thing in the morning. fantastic. And, and okay. I feel like, so if that's it, like sort of- that the byproduct yeah. is like, I, like, I feel like a strong body actually gives me a strong mind as well. And I, you know, like I, I think the, the benefits of just exercise, but actually exercise for your mental health as much as exercise for your wobbly bottom, um, you know, is, is a good thing.
0: No, I think that's very true and well well said. Okay. <coughs> Excuse me. Last question is <clears throat> my favorite. Is there a f- quirky fact about you that most people don't know that you'd be up for sharing?
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a great
0: question. Um, so
1: so when <laughs> And in, it doesn't have the, to be about business. No, no. Well, you know what, in the, in my um year off where I decided to be, you know, a mum, um I I became I kind of a friend of mine was a photographer who needed a mum to actually be in a commercial. And so that year I was the bigger cheese mum on TV. Then I oh. was like the McDonald's mum on a TV commercial. Then I was the energy Australia busy mum getting ready for work um on their print campaign. Um <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, took up modelling. I was, I was the pin-up mum. I was the, I was the, no, not a model. Someone who just looks like they got out of bed, you know. So just a very normal-looking mum. Ah. <laughs> so.
0: uh. Oh, Therese, what a great interview. You're an amazing woman and I'm so glad that we had this chat and I wasn't expecting all the stuff that came out of left field, particularly the Jeep prams and what happened there. So um, thank you so much for sharing your story. Now, if anyone would like you to be their mentor or to get in touch with you without giving away phone numbers, um, do you want to tell people the best way to get hold of you?
1: Sure. If you just uh, find me on LinkedIn, I am the only Therese Tarlington in the world, so it's pretty easy to find me. There's no Are you? G in Tarlington, <laughs> yes, but I am the only okay. one. So T-A-R-L-I-N-T-O-N, no G. Um, so reach out. I love connecting with new people, um, and absolutely, like I'm, I'm part of the business connect team. You can, you know, like you can have sessions with me and the government. You know. Brilliant. supports it um you can and then you've got a website to, as well i have so cool. everything is just my name all the social channels all the websites, everywhere you can get a hold of me is just my name so it's just dot com. i'm at therese everywhere um and you know what it's just business is just way more fun when you're working together so please reach out um and i love nothing more than a brand brainstorm so you know let's have a chat fantastic
0: (laughs) thank you so so much I can't wait to share this Therese
1: oh fantastic Jules it's been such a pleasure I could talk to you all day but thank you and I really really (laughs) I really appreciate being part of your community it's just full of people who are just you know in the nicest way I'll just say just normal people I love just normal people no agendas no hypocrites no wankers that trendy word
0: of authentic i think is is what i would use but thank you
1: yeah absolutely
0: i hope you've enjoyed this episode of she's the boss chats for more information and to find out about our other initiatives including our weekly lunch for female founders and our tv show go to she's the boss.com.au